And welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to give a big thank you to my three guests from last week. I had my first personal trainer roundtable discussion, so a big thank you to Susan Bianchi, to Joshua Margolis, and to Jonathan Angelilli. And if you missed that show, please go to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart webpage right here on TalkingAlternative.com and take a listen. It was a great roundtable and hopefully the first of many for personal trainers. Um, And if you missed any of the information of all of my guests, they're also up on my Facebook fan page on Facebook, which is Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart with Karen Litzy. So... Uh, getting to today's show and actually to this month in general, I really wanted to focus the month of March on pain. So as a physical therapist, the main reason patients come to us, maybe go to their doctor, is because of complaints of pain. And there's been a lot of great new uh, research in uh, neuroscience and the, and, um, the way that the brain is uh, the way that pain is an output of the brain, which is something a little bit different. And a lot of people don't uh, really realize and understand that that is the way it is, but it is. So I'm really happy to have on my show today as my first guest on this uh, March month of pain is physical therapist Corey Zimney. And he has been practicing physical therapy since 1994 following his graduation from the University of North Dakota with his master's in physical therapy, and he completed his transitional DPT, which is Doctorate of Physical Therapy, uh, from the Post-Professional Doctorate of Physical Therapy program at Des Moines University, class of 2010. He currently works at Mercy Business Health Services in Sioux City, Iowa, as the primary physical therapist working with outpatient work-related injuries and providing on-site loss prevention services for local businesses. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. His primary treatment focus is with evidence-based practice for orthopedic injuries, specializing in the spine, shoulder, knee, and ankle injuries. He also has specific training and interest with treating chronic, persistent pain patients, hence my first guest for the month of March for pain month. And along with uh, primary patient care, he has advanced training in work injury management and ergonomics. Uh, he has experience with various community-based hospitals, uh, with inpatient skilled rehab, home health, acute rehab, work conditioning, hardening, and outpatient. He was also department manager of rehabilitation services at St. Luke's Health System in Sioux City for eight years. And he serves as an adjunct faculty for the physical therapy program at the University of South Dakota and is an advanced credentials clinical, credentialed clinical instructor through the APTA, which is the American Physical Therapy Association. So, Corey, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me on. And also, I, the way that I sort of got to, to Corey is through uh, the website, www.somasimple.com, and I don't know if I've probably mentioned that a hundred times so far on the show, but uh, it's a great forum for evidence-based practice for physical therapists, occupational therapists, yoga instructors, massage therapists. So um, if you're out there and you're in that field, personal trainers, go to the website, sign up, and, and get ready to learn. So, uh, Corey, I guess the one of the first questions, and we'll kind of get into the whole uh, pain discussion in the next segment But just to talk a little bit more about you, uh, number one, why did you decide to go back to school to get your DPT? And I ask this because it's sort of like a a debate amongst people like myself who have my master's degree on whether to go back and what's the the pros and cons, I guess. Yeah, yeah. for me, the decision initially was just to thinking that I wanted to get into teaching, which I eventually have, so I knew I needed to get my doctorate in order to be able to to work in teaching at a doctorate level. So that was actually the primary driving factor um, for me personally to to make that switch or to go through that program. Obviously, it's fairly time intensive and a lot of late nights and hours spent. Um, and, and I'll be honest, when I first started the program, I didn't know clinically if it would change much. You know, I've been practicing you know, 15, 16 years. I also had my master's, and I was just, you know, I thought, well, I need to get my doctorate, but I'm, you know, I really didn't know would it change me clinically. And 
and I was very pleasantly surprised. It, it did change me. I really, I think I became much more evidence-based. Uh, my clinical reasoning and thought process, I could see, had developed at a higher level going through the class um, and just justifying why I do what I do based off of, you know, what the literature, what the research tells us. And I think just improving overall communication skills and really just a broad perspective, too, because during the program, the cohort of the other students involved, um, just getting a chance to hearing students from other states, what things that they were going through along with just the various different um, clinical areas, you know, so we could take a similar problem, but how does a therapist in pediatrics look at it or somebody in home health or another person that might be in a large hospital or a small hospital or a private-owned clinic. So I think it really just opened up my eyes on the profession in a lot of ways. So um, I was, like I said, very pleasantly surprised. I think mm-hmm. that it enhanced my clinical skills, even though uh, not a ton of work was done hands-on, but just through the thought process of what we do in our clinical reasoning, I think really advanced. And was your, just so I think people are clear, when you get your DPT, that it's not a PhD. Right. Yep. It's really, when you're looking at a DPT, again, it's more of a um, practice-based that your clinical skills, when you think of a PhD, if you think of the world of knowledge, Mm -hmm. um, you're adding a specific piece of information to that knowledge through your research project, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas the doctorate level on this sort, you're actually just kind of getting an increased knowledge in that area. So similar to, again, quite a PharmD, you know, pharmacist or a medical doctor, um, all those type of advanced um, doctoral levels on that line. But again, yeah, it's not adding, adding it to the information knowledge base is what a PhD would do. I see. Okay. And as we said earlier, you're an adjunct faculty member at the University of South Dakota. And what subjects are you teaching there? Um, I get the opportunity um, a lot with the first year in the traditional class of those that are actually in school and stuff like that. Um, I get to just a lot of the intro, the patient client management, physical Mm -hmm. agents, uh, do some basic uh, movement science, which is kind of their beginning introductory into just biomechanics, the manual therapy, and different things like that. And then um, in the end of their second year, I actually help also teach um, what's called the healthcare management. As um, you stated, I, I did manage a rehab department for about eight years and stuff, so um, I also help co-teach with one of the other regular faculty member in that class. And then I also do the online transitional. They have a transitional DPT class as well. Um, so I help with a health promotion class I'll be taking on next year. And then the last couple of years I've been teaching the what's called teaching and physical therapy are the two classes that I'll be uh, teaching there through the transitional program. And that's considered adjunct? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's a lot of work. Yeah, there is. Um, I usually... Like I said, obviously with teaching the online classes, you know, that's nighttime, you know, at least uh, three, four nights a week that I spend an hour or two, you know, going through the discussion boards mm-hmm. and um, reviewing and grading papers and giving feedback and stuff like that. And then the actual classes themselves, I usually, uh, about once a week, I go up to the school for an afternoon um, or a morning, whichever it might be, based on the schedule um, that I'm doing that, so... Great. So, you know, one could say that you're pretty well up to date with recent research and and information in the world of physical therapy, correct? Yeah, I try to. Obviously, yeah. there's so much information out there. It's right. trying to stay on top of it. But yeah, use multiple sources. Like you mentioned, Soma Simple mm-hmm. uh, is a great resource just from the research articles that other people bring that allow you a chance to, to look through um, different various blogs that are out there. Um, Google Reader is a godsend uh, mm-hmm. to be able to try to manage all those different things that are out there and stuff. But so, yeah, it's really, it's, I think, a constant ongoing effort that we have to make as therapists to, yeah. to try to stay up to date on the literature and uh, be good critical judgments of what that stuff is. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because I think a lot of times what can happen as a physical therapist is that, you know, you go to work every day, you're seeing if you're in an outpatient clinic, um, you may be seeing up to 15 patients a day that by the time you go home, you're exhausted. And like the last thing you want to do is, is look up more physical therapy related stuff, I guess. But I think that it is very important, like you said, for physical therapists to keep up on, on a lot of this you know, a lot of physical therapy information to be able to say that you are treating with an evidence-based philosophy. 
very and, much so. I think um, it, it is is require a little extra work, but then mm-hmm. I guess I look at my patients and I figure they deserve that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Come see me and you know the charges that I charge and stuff like that. That uh, I want to make sure that I'm getting them the best knowledge that I have currently. Obviously, that will change as time goes on, and that's the of whole course. idea behind evidence-based practice yeah. is that you have to evolve and change. Hopefully, um, the only way to be able to do that is staying up to date as best you can. Yeah, and I think that's great advice for all, you know, physical therapists listening and ocu- or any healthcare professional really that's out there listening is to take the extra time to really try and stay current and up to date with new research that's out there. Um, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get uh, sort of into the, the sort of meat of the program and talk to Corey about how he treats his acute patients that come to him with complaints of pain. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hi, this is psychic medium Betsy Cohen, host of the show, The Power of Intuition. Join me at TalkingAlternative.com, Mondays at 11 a.m. Call in for a free psychic reading. Learn how to tune into your intuition to feel better and to create your optimum life. I'm here to guide you and to assist you in creating the life that you deserve. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics, poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at rljmedia.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart here on TalkingAlternative.com. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by fellow physical therapist, Corey Zimney. And if anyone has any questions for myself or for Corey, feel free to call in toll-free at 877-480-4120. So, Corey, before the break, said, you know, we'd start kind of getting into how you treat uh, your patient that comes in with a complaint of pain, sort of doing a, a little kind of case study here. But before we get to that, what I'd like the listeners to know is what is your background on pain, uh, I guess, pain research and the treatment of pain? So I know just from being on Soma Simple and things like that, that you are a student of 
the recent pain research of people like David Butler, Lorimer Mosley, Paul Hodges, etc. Um, I don't know if you've always been like that through your career. And if not, when did you sort of really start, I guess, reading more and researching more into this sort of new biopsychosocial uh, oh. treatment of pain? Yeah, with that, again, a lot of it just kind of coincided. I don't know if it was because of the DPT process going mm-hmm. through and getting into the research literature more, if it just happened uh, coincidentally. But um, it was kind of back um, as I was kind of finishing up that, that I really started getting more into the, the pain science and stuff. I had an opportunity to, to do one of the NOI courses from um, not David Butler himself, but Adrian Lau, who teaches it here in the U.S. Right, um, and, and he was, that, he was uh, at the APTA combined sections in Chicago, and he was fantastic. Yep, no, he is a very good instructor. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, um, so I had an opportunity in March of 2010 to take that from him, and a part of that was teaching some of Explained Pain, uh, because obviously every one of the courses that he teaches, that's a component of it. And then eventually that just drove my interest. I had read Explained Pain itself, mm-hmm. and in May I went to the actual Explained Pain class that Adrian, again, as part of the NOI group, teaches. I had an opportunity to see Laura Moore Mosley speak in August of 2010, and then also hear Barrett Darko in September 2010. So I could say probably in 2010 was my year that I really <laughs> had an opportunity to hear some great speakers in regards to that, and that mm-hmm. just drove my interest. And did that change the way you treated your patients that come in with complaints of pain? Yeah, 100% it changed how I was treating patients on a regular basis. Uh, I felt with this information and what patients knew, I had to change how I explained to them what was going on um, and my treatment itself. Okay, so uh, with that being said, let's go into, I'm just going to kind of throw a sort of, let's say, a case at you. So let's say you work in sort of a work-hardening type of environment, correct? Yep, a lot of acute work injuries is what I see on a regular basis. Okay, so a patient comes to you, he hurt his back the day before, he comes in, or even the day before, yeah, let's say the day before, maybe the week before. I'm not sure exactly how soon you're seeing patients after injury. But they, he comes in to see you and says, I don't know, I don't know quite what I did. Maybe I lifted something wrong. My back is killing me. Pain is going down, you know, the back of my leg, maybe to my, to my knee. And, you know, it's just really, really painful. You know, what should I do? So, yeah. Given that sort of, and the guy is otherwise, you know, maybe he had some bouts of low back pain in the past, and this is maybe an acute flare-up. How do you go about explaining what is happening to him? The first thing I usually do, and again, I think everybody kind of has to find their own approach. What works good for me is I like to go through and just do my complete uh, evaluation. So I go through my special test, and I'm ruling things in and ruling out, and trying to find is there you know, one of those major red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if those pop up, then that, those are easy. <laughs> and what would be um, major red flags? Well, obviously, the, the Just for people listening. Yep. So if you have a reflex loss, a loss of bowel bladder, um, you know, specific dermatomal loss, you know, they're not a sensation in a specific area that matches also maybe a myotome, uh, loss of muscle strength in a specific area and things. Those are the kind of ones that really jump out that are pretty obvious. But elsewise, it kind of all falls into what's called that general mechanical low back pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty upfront with them to start with that when it comes to assessing these kind of things, we have a really hard time telling which specific piece is wrong. There's a lot of stuff back there, I tell them. There's, mm-hmm. you know, you have your muscles, your discs, your ligaments, your nerves. And any or all of those or a combination of those can get injured with a lifting you know, like they did. They maybe lifted something and felt a little tug or a yank back there. Mm-hmm. And I, we I say that, you know, with the evaluation, we can rule out the really, really bad stuff. Right. So we know that's not going on. So basically we have a sprain-strain type of situation going on, which means that something in there you injured. And then I go into my analogy of basically talking about, you know, I'm sure you've skinned your knee at some point in your life. You fell down and skinned your knee when you were a kid. Well, you strained your skin. You overstressed it beyond what it could handle. Mm -hmm. That's going to heal over time. There's really not much we have to do about it. Uh, We have to create a good environment to allow the healing to happen, but your body takes care of that completely on its own. So the same thing is going to happen with these tissues in your back. 
okay, whatever they are. Obviously, they all heal at slightly different rates, um, so we'll try to figure out as best we can where it might be coming from and kind of de considering that, but, but they will heal. So we don't have to worry about doing anything extra on the outside to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And now, what if I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate here? What if I, I'm being the patient and I say, well, you know, a couple of years ago this happened, I had an MRI and I have a herniated disc. So obviously it's the disc and there's, you know, my dad had a bad back and my brother has a bad back. And so this is just a herniated disc. It's never going to get better. I guess I'm just going to have this pain like everyone else in my family. Yep. No, those are very normal mm -hmm. things and fears. And that's where, again, just knowing the research and literature and just trying to help redirect, uh, try to create a more appropriate context of how these injuries happen and an understanding of them a little bit deeper. Um, and that's where I'll explain, you know, obviously we all know people walk around with herniated discs. We take 100 people off the street with no back pain. Um, 50 of them are probably going to have a herniated disc or a protrusion somewhere. And we know that from research studies. We also know that if you have a herniation, what the research tells us is that within a matter of six to eight weeks, it'll be half the size that it originally was. Uh, and within six months to a year, it'll be completely gone. Mm -hmm. um, so I always make sure that they're aware of these kind of things that are normal. They kind of come and go. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, we know meniscus, people have meniscus injuries, shoulders, and 70, 90% of all shoulders asymptomatic will have shoulder pathology if you yeah. look at it under an MRI. Yeah. Um, so helping them understand that a lot of these things are normal things that happen to our body, it doesn't necessarily mean that's you're not going to heal, that you're not going to get back to your normal day-to-day -day life. Right. So you sort of concentrate on de-threatening the situation a little bit for the patient. Very much so. I yeah. think if I say normal at least 50 to 60 times in that initial visit, uh, I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> uh, that's very, actually, that's, that's, a very, that's very important to know because I think when people come to you as a physical therapist, they're coming to you because in their minds they think something's wrong, something very abnormal is going on, and, you know, what can I do to, to fix it? Yep, and, and that's why, like I said, I like to do that evaluation first because then I can revert back to, well, I did this test to rule this out. Mm -hmm. You didn't jump off the table. You didn't uh, roll over in, you know, excruciating pain. So that tells us that nothing major, major is going on. Those mm -hmm. tissues will heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, for, and, and this is, you know, aside from doing the special tests and things like that, a lot of that explanation comes without really doing a, a quote-unquote, like, hands-on treatment yet. So just sort of de-threatening the situation. And do you find that, that the patient then relaxes a little bit? I think like, so. I mean, I, amazing how many times, I mean, somebody will come in and just excruciating, you know, pain. They might be, you know, 9 out of 10, 12 out of 10, whatever it might be. Uh, and a lot of times just explain them, you're going to be sensitive and sore. You have some inflammation going on. Um, those are going to sensitize the nerves. It's normal to feel a little sore back there. You want to feel a little sore. That's your body protecting you. Um, these are all normal things that you want to do, um, and they may be so afraid to move, and then you explain to them that, you know, normal, simple movements isn't going to cause any further damage to anything. You know, when you scrape your knee, if you touch it, it hurts. It hurts, yeah. But it doesn't stop it from healing. Right. Oh. And a lot of times they'll come back the next day, uh, two days later, and you can tell that all of a sudden, oh, yeah, it doesn't really hardly hurt anymore, and we're off to getting them back to where they were. Right, right. And on that, we're going to, Corey, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're just going to kind of continue this discussion on what you do with your patients with acute pain. So everyone stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
Is your marriage in trouble? Are you considering divorce? Hello, I'm Lawrence Bloom, a family law attorney in New York and New Jersey. No one is happier than the day their divorce is final. My firm can help you. We take the nasty out of the divorce process and make people happy. Please call us at 212-964-3502 for a free consultation. That's Lawrence H. Bloom at 212-964-3502. We make people happy. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. was a firefly who shined as bright as the moon and the stars with her guiding light seen through the night and welcome back to healthy wealthy and smart i'm your host karen litzy and i'm joined today by fellow physical therapist uh, Corey Zimney. And again, if anyone has any questions for myself or for Corey, please feel free to call in at 877-480-4120. So today, um, well, the month of March is all about pain. Uh, big focus on physical therapists, how we treat pain, how we explain it to our patients. And so today, Corey is going through how he treats and how he explains pain to his more acute patients as he does work in sort of a work-hardening environment where he is seeing patients on more of an acute level. Um, So, Corey, we sort of ended uh, last segment talking about how you explain to patients what is going on. And I love the analogy of the skinned knee. And I think it's just such a great way that every most people that you talk to, even if it's a child, will understand that analogy. Yeah, that's why I use it, because I think not everybody's had an injured back or a shoulder. Um, And so their expectations, their beliefs are they're not sure what to expect Mm -hmm. and when you can uh, simulate that you know tissues are tissues they all pretty much act very similar in nature Um, they all heal given adequate blood flow Um, these tissues will always heal it's just automatic it doesn't matter if you looked at your skin knee and told it not to heal or to heal faster it just heals on its own it's something that your body takes care of automatically Um, so with your back and things it will heal Um, you don't have to necessarily do anything to make it heal, it's going to happen automatically. Again, a lot of that just, again, yeah, trying to reduce that fear with that. But like I said, everybody can remember skinning their knees. Mm-hmm. A kid, everybody knows that when you touch it, it hurts a little bit, uh, but it still heals. Right. And what do you say? So, again, let's say the patient comes in and he says, you know, I, I quote, unquote, threw my back out. So I guess my alignment's off. You know, maybe my pelvis, it feels like it's off. So that's what's causing the pain, right? So how do you respond to that? Um, again, I just try to be honest as far as, you know, what research tells us and stuff like that. I usually will, you know, a lot of that originally was developed, you know, 100, 125 years ago with a theory that, you know, things would go in or out of place. Obviously, our imaging techniques have advanced immensely uh, since 125 years ago, you know, so to put it in perspective, realize that it made sense 125 years ago, but now with our CT, MRI ability and stuff, we realize things don't actually go in or out of place anymore. Um, techniques such as manual techniques, uh, mobilization, manipulation, those kind of things are still very helpful, mm-hmm. um, not because they're putting things back in or out of place, uh, but for a lot of other reasons. Such as? Um, well, again, what we know, you're going to get changes in blood flow and the synovial mm-hmm. fluid. Uh, you're going to get some motor control changes, some of these what we call neurophysiological responses. Uh, we know that with that, the portions of the brain will start to um, send some different endorphins and ectelphins and things to help with down regulation uh, from those 
you know, danger messages and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, we get some pain gating at the spinal cord level. Um, and I think, you know, Adrian always points out, you know, his favorite part when you start realizing, you know, smudging in the brain areas uh, that, you know, if we can start putting a healthy representation of that area back into the brain uh, with our man- techniques, that all these things from a neurophysiological standpoint are happening. Uh, but we're not really putting anything back in or out of place, but we are creating a lot of a good environment um, to help downplay some of what that pain is. And again, going into a lot, make sure that patients understand that difference between pain and, uh, and injury. Right, because I think a lot of people think, well, you know, if if my... Okay, here's, here's something. So I have... Let's say you have a patient who went to chiropractor, they x-rayed him, the chiropractor says, well, you have a scoliosis, and that's why you have back pain, but I can fix that for you. Uh, again, and again, you know, because these are things that I feel like as a physical therapist, you, patients come in, you often hear that. So what is your response to someone who's like, well, I have a scoliosis because the chiropractor or the doctor or whatever, wh- whomever did an x-ray and I have a curve in my spine? Yeah, and those are just structural changes, and again, trying to get them from a contextual standpoint to understand. Those are, you know, bony changes. I have a scoliosis. I can be honest and upfront with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it never progressed. I was followed all the way through my elementary and junior high years until I reached more skeletal maturity. I never really fully progressed any beyond just the beginning initial screen. Mm-hmm. So nothing ever had to be done, and I doesn't mean that you have to have back pain. Obviously, that scoliosis takes time, um, especially in an acute injury when they lifted something. Um, they had the scoliosis prior to the injury, and they'll have it afterwards. Right. So that's, to me, why I don't think that has anything to play into the injury that you're currently dealing with. Right. And can someone, let's say if they have, they are in acute pain, um, what, and they, they, let's say they're in acute pain, they have an x-ray while they're in acute pain, and let's just say they may be shifted one side or another because of the pain, yet they're told it's a scoliosis. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, I, and a lot of times I'll just stand up and demonstrate them, you know, mm-hmm. point out, you know, an x-ray is just a static view. Mm-hmm. So if I'm standing like this, picture what my spine looks like, and then I might contort myself a little bit because I'm protecting myself. Now picture what my spine probably looks like. Mm. You know, and I even use an example, you know, your body is going to guard and protect itself. If right. I come up and I slug you in the shoulder, what are you going to do with your arm? You're going to draw it in and you're going to protect it. Sure. So those are just natural occurrences that your body does, again, that are normal. Normal. <laughs> word again, um, that you, your body naturally does and that it should do. That's telling us your system and everything is working exactly the way that it should. Right. And, you know, you said something before, and I just want listeners to kind of understand this a little bit better because I think that it's an important term and it's that sort of smudging of... Uh, the body's representation in the brain. So would you mind just kind of defining that a little bit further for people who are out there listening who may, maybe they're not in the physical therapy world or have not taken this type of pain education? Yep, and this comes a lot from Laura Momosley's work. Mm-hmm. He's just done a ton of stuff. And really, basically what we have in our brain is, is maps or a representation. You know, if I have my thumb and I wiggle my thumb, there's neurons in my brain that represent um, me wiggling my thumb. Mm-hmm. We know that with chronic persistent pain that that picture of your thumb kind of gets smudged. You know, picture a chalkboard where you have something drawn and you kind of take your hand over and you kind of smudge the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's just not drawn. It's just not as accurate as what it normally would be that these kind of things happen, especially the longer the pain persists. Right. And so basically, the longer the pain persists, so starting out, you have a nice sharp representation of that thumb. As the pain persists, or let's say we can use the example of the back, you have a sharp representation of what your back is like in your mind. And as pain happens, and as it persists, and this acute pain becomes chronic pain, that that very sharp image that the brain has of, let's say, your lower back is smudged. And what is, so what is the danger of that smudging? Um, again, that's where, again, the body starts to struggle, I think, from a nervous system, from a brain perspective, trying to figure out the sense of self of who I am. Um, it's changed. It's different. Um, and any time the brain gets conflicting information, it oftentimes is going to protect in a painful-type manner um, to try to figure out what the heck is going on. Okay. Um, so it's really trying to, trying to redraw that 
map. And I oftentimes, hopefully, if they've ever had any cavities, uh, is a simple example or an analogy that I'll mm-hmm. use to think about when you had your filling. Uh, immediately when you bite down, it feels different. It feels weird. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like you're, where the cavity is is like so far higher than your tooth almost. Yep. And then yeah. within a matter of a week or so, it kind of goes away. And what do you do during that time? Well, your tongue is constantly playing with it. You're biting it down. Mm-hmm. You're redrawing that map by going through all those movements. So eventually your brain map actually matches your new body map. Um, and, and so that's really what we're trying to do with a lot of our exercises and stuff is just trying to redraw those brain maps. Right. So sort of making the brain more aware of this, I guess, painful area. Does that make sense? Yeah, again, it's just trying to um, understand that this is my body and how do I move? Um, how do I make those areas move? What does it feel like? And just trying to get a, a normal C back um, into the whole system. Right, right. And, and, you know, I think that, I mean, to me, makes much more sense than saying, well, I'm going to fix a rotated pelvis. Because a lot of times, you know, in the past... I guess before I started really getting into a lot of this research as well, you'd fix a rotated pelvis, but they still have pain. Right. Yeah. And that's really what drove me through the years was, one, I always struggled trying to find these rotated pelvises. So right. I think I just pretended I found them because everybody else told me they could find them and I didn't right. want to be the oddball idiot that couldn't. <laughs> you don't want to be like, oh, you mean you didn't feel that rotated segment at L5? Yeah. So, um, and so I've, struggled finding those and I yeah. even after you did what you thought was successful and you'd get a click or a pop and mm-hmm. you'd stand up and they would supposedly be level and everything would be perfect and they would still have pain or they would come back the next day and you know why do they keep rotating out and then the thought was oh I'm, I don't have them strong enough and mm-hmm. yet they could do a plank for two hours so it's like well that doesn't right. make sense either right. <laughs> right 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 yeah and so I think that with this new research and pain uh, science it for me it just really clicked and just made sense it does. It, it, that's what it did. It, you know, why I got so interested is because it answered those questions. I mean, yeah. I could understand it. didn't make it any less complex. No. It didn't make it any easier to treat some patients, um, but at least I could understand what was going on. Right. Yeah, and I agree 100%. And on that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these commercials, everyone, so stay tuned. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body Mind Wellness Program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit. You'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com. Professionals serving community. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer. TalkingAlternative.com 
Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, joined today by physical therapist Corey Zimney. And we are talking, I'm sort of focusing the month of March all about pain. And so today we have Corey Zimney on, and he's kind of explaining to us how he goes through a treatment session and an evaluation with a patient coming to him with acute pain. So you know, Corey, last time we sort of talked a little bit about the, about the smudging and here in the studio, um, everyone thought that it was a really great and clear explanation and that okay. it made a lot of sense. So thank you for that. Um, now let's, you know, sticking again, we have our low back patient who is an acute patient. And do you find that after sort of explaining pain, quote unquote, via Butler and Mosley, do you find that the patient has maybe the next time you see them, a subjective decrease in their pain? Um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends mm-hmm. how well a job I do explaining it and how many other uh, thoughts and beliefs as expectations that they have that I might have to try to overcome and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, these patients still, even on the acute side, just like the chronic ones, can still be very difficult. Right. Um, you know, I definitely don't want anybody to think that that makes it that much easier um, in some ways. But I think a lot of times they do, you know, hopefully after that initial visit, if they can come away with knowing what's wrong with them, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily from a specific cause, um, from a tissue standpoint, but understanding from an origin standpoint mm-hmm. of where their pain is coming from, from mm-hmm. a mechanical uh, or a chemical basis or something like that. Um, and then they should also hopefully know how long it's going to take and what they can do and what I will do as a therapist. You know, if they walk away from that first visit knowing those four things, then I'm usually fine that from there on out things start to get a little bit better. And, you know, here's a a question that I sometimes get as I'm explaining pain to patients that pain is an output of the brain and and uh, sort of on the based on the explain pain book. A lot of patients and even even fellow therapists say, well, if you're, you know, treating, quote unquote, the nervous system or treating the brain, what do you even do as a physical therapist? Like, do you still do exercises and do you still do? You know, manip- well, we don't do manipulations here in New York, but mobilizations, do you still do all of that stuff as part of your treatment? Yeah, and that's where when I, everything I do from a treatment standpoint um, is, is probably the same that I always did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really understanding of what I'm changing more so and realizing the nervous system is probably the most plastic, adaptable system we have in our body. Right that I can make immediate changes through a nervous system perspective, whereas from a tissue length standpoint or mm-hmm. strength, that takes a long time. Sure. You know, you think of actually adding sarcomeres or adding muscle strength or, you know, elongating tissue. Um, obviously, these changes that we can make um, from a manual standpoint can happen very quickly from a nervous system perspective to quiet that whole pain system down. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I still do the exercises. Obviously, we know exercises uh, increases the different chemicals within the brain, um, brain drive, neurotrophic factor increases, all those things that are going to help decrease that smudging and improve that picture. Those things are going to be enhanced with exercise mm-hmm. from manual touch. As soon as I touch that area, that representation area has to light up. Um, that, that representation in the brain. Yep. Right that that all of a sudden I can try to prevent a healthy representation um, for that area. Right. And so I guess a lot of another question is what if someone comes in and they say, you know, I hurt my back last week. So there must be all the, can you feel all the scar tissue in there? And can you break up that scar tissue so I don't have any pain? Yeah. Um, again, that's a, just part of the normal healing. You know, I'll say, you know, when you fell on your knee, does your knee look a lot different? than what it did before. I mean, it might have a little bit of a scar here or there, but does mm-hmm. it change how you do anything? Mm-hmm. No. So, yeah. We know that over time that if, as you move, that stuff's constantly changing. Um, our tissues change. Our tissues reshape and form 
you know, this whole healing process, uh, those tissues can change from a year, two years later on a fine, you know, cellular, cellular level. level. Sure. So uh, I don't get, to try to get them not to get too worried about it, that your body's going to take care of yourself. And, you know, this is probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And, you know, in, I guess, what are your thoughts on treating the acute pain as quickly as possible to prevent that from becoming chronic pain? Because I think a lot of people that maybe they hurt their back, they hurt their shoulder, and they're like, ah, it'll go away, it'll go away. But they're not doing anything proactively, like you said, to maybe make changes to that nervous system to sort of help it along. So I guess in, in your experience, how important is treating the acute pain to prevent it from becoming a chronic pain situation? Yeah, and that's really what I really look at doing, is I want them to know, you know, these first couple days... You know, we have this acute inflammatory phase going on that may last up to a week or so. And then we're going to be moving into more of the proliferation phase where actually, again, these collagen fibers are going to start to be laying down. Um, we know that we slowly want to add some stress to those things to get them to shape so, we, again, we minimize or get that scar tissue to form mm-hmm. as best as possible the way it previously was. We realize the blood flow and blood supply is important at that time. So the more you're moving, the more active you're becoming, the better that's going to be. You know, and then you're going to get into the whole remodeling phase, you know, which starts, you know, four weeks or past. That happens up to a couple years later to where, you know, we really can start making these changes with movement and stuff like that. Plus, we can diminish that smudging that's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, I guess the advice for, let's say, people out there listening who may be the patient is if you aren't in acute pain, try and get in to see a physical therapist. Get and see your doctor. If you have direct access, go to a physical therapist sooner rather than later. Yeah, because like I said, pain is uh, a great critical protective device. I mean, it tells us something isn't right, uh, but it doesn't really give us a very good state of what's going on in the tissues. You know, I explain it to patients, you know, you have a check engine light on your car. Mm-hmm. It tells you something's going on in your car, but you have no idea what the heck it is. Right, right, uh, it right. It could be a $5 fuse, or it could be a major transmission overhaul you need. Right. Um, and that's really what we can help with through the physician and myself going for evaluation is finding out what specifics going on. And then giving you a guidelines, direction, what you need to do to slowly make that better. Right, and that makes perfect sense. And on that, we're going to take a quick break. But um, before we go, I'm just going to kind of leave you with this question. And it's something that I've kind of started to ask a lot of the therapists that come on the show is, where do you, and you kind of think about this over the break, but where do you see the future of physical therapy heading Giving, given all the new research into pain and also given the constantly changing face of healthcare in this country, so the healthcare system in general. So I'll kind of leave you with that question, and when we come back, we will await your answer. So everyone, stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics, poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at rljmedia.com. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Lebowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212 212- 721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people.
Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by fellow physical therapist and adjunct professor at the University of South Dakota, Corey Zimney. And, you know, our whole discussion, my whole month of March, I really wanted to concentrate on pain, and I really wanted to look at the treatment of pain through this biopsychosocial approach versus the biomedical approach. And, Corey, I have to thank you because today you really explained things so concisely and so... It just really, really well, easy to understand whether you're the patient or the physical therapist sort of listening to the program. So thanks a lot. I mean, I thought it was really great. Um, thanks. Sure. So before the break, I sort of left you with the question is, where do you see the future of physical therapy headed, heading given all this new research into pain science? Because, of course, people go to physical therapists, and number one reason is pain. Um, and also, given the constant changing face of healthcare, and I'm saying in this, in the U.S., I can't speak to Canada or Europe or Australia, but just here in the U.S. So, what I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I'm really excited. I think for what the future can hold. I was um, last year the Institute of Medicine um, came out with what was called the uh, Relieving Pain in America Consensus Report and stuff, and it was probably the best thing that came out of. Uh, Obama's Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if Obamacare is great or not yet. That's probably yet to be determined. But one thing it was is that they they wanted a report uh, basically to take a look at pain. And I think it's a great start. It shows obviously that there's uh, a huge need for this. And I think it's hopefully will be a start that more, more universities as far as teaching their um, students you know, to go out to be prepared uh, to handle patients in pain that we have a better understanding of what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this year I'm going to have a chance at the University of South Dakota itself to actually implement some more pain science education. I was just going um, to ask you that question. You yeah, answered so it I, before uh, I even got it out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last year, just after the report came out, I kind of forwarded it on to them, and I said, you know, you, we may want to consider this within the program as far as the curriculum, that, you know, there is more stuff that is mm -hmm. becoming more evidence-based that we really need to be teaching that. And um, it looks like this um, coming in May here, I'm going to get at least hopefully two, three hours to try Great. to do something. Uh, so at least it's a good start. But don't you think that that's common sense, that that would be taught in all physical therapy programs? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think we teach the basics of the McKinney, mm -hmm. um, and I think we get to the level as far as the, you know, the A-delta and the C-fibers and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and mm -hmm. then it goes up to the brain, but I think we miss out on what happens once it hits the brain. Mm. Um, I think that's always been, you know, we kind of think sometimes we think of that as the psychology of things, mm -hmm. and we've kind of veer away from that because we have been so biomechanical and right. things. Um, but there is, I mean, there's enough within understanding the psychology and sociology of everything, you know, and it's funny because as therapists that's a huge part of what we do absolutely and i mean that's never been said that we can't do that in dealing with how do you deal with you know injuries and all how it affects your family you know especially from the the neuro side from the rehab you know patients with strokes or spinal mm, cord absolutely we, we've done a great job but in the orthopedic world for whatever reason we've always had that separation from that um, so usually when I talk about this, it's funny, when I was at USD presenting to the faculty and stuff, it was the neuro teachers that were all, oh, God, this is awesome, you know? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes the orthopedic, we forget that really it's, that still has to be a part of it, you know? Um, there's a reason that it's why, you know, it's not just a musculoskeletal system, it's a neuromusculoskeletal system. Right. Um, that the nervous system has to be included in that whole process. Right, in the process of, in both evaluation and treatment. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think also, uh, like you said, sort of being able to, even with orthopedic problems, focus in on 
you know, doing a biopsychosocial, but really focusing in on that social part, which you said people with strokes and and more, you know, heavy duty uh, neurological injuries, the family, you, you will sometimes have therapy sessions with the family there, you know, yep. because you know what impact that kind of injury can have on the family life and how that can add stress and stress can lead to more pain and all of that. But from a an orthopedic side, I think that there's still an orthopedic injury. I have a patient now who, you know, broke her leg and she has a two and a half year old. So do you know what a huge deal it was for her two and a half year old to have her mom be able to pick her up out of the crib? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think really looking at those sort of social aspects of the patient does make a big difference, regardless of whether it's neurological or orthopedic. And I think that's a great, I think it's a great point to make. Um, All right. Well, on on that, we are actually out of time, which I mean, and believe me, as you know, Corey, I sent you a couple of questions and we did not even get to some of them. And I'm actually kind of disappointed about that, but that's okay. I'm sure you will be back on, maybe we'll have you back on in a round table um, next month or something. But um, thank you so much for coming on. I, like I said, this show is a little selfish by me because I wanted to know all of this information. And I feel like I just got a lot out of it. So thank you so, so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's been a pleasure. Great. And everyone, uh, stay tuned for the, throughout the whole month of March. We're going to be talking about pain and how physical therapists uh, deal with their patients in pain, mainly from that biopsychosocial uh, uh, outlook. So everyone, uh, have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Looking to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright but still haven't found the one? Want to make your current relationship as fulfilling as possible? Then tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. for Love in the Afternoon with Marnie Gallison. As a professional matchmaker, I've seen it all. With distinguished authors, industry gurus, and experts on everything from wine to fashion, join us as we discuss dating, relationships, and more on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, I'm Julie. Hi, I'm Julia. What, what are, are you wearing? wearing? Welcome, Welcome to J&J's, J&J's Secrets, Secrets of Style and Beauty. We know there is beauty and style in all you do, whether it's a job interview, first date, or wedding. We also know that not everyone understands what works best for him or her. We're here to help. Think of us as your personal beauty, style, and grooming gurus. As industry experts, we'll give you the best information for men and women on how to look phenomenal. Tune in Tuesdays at 8 p.m. to learn how to look your best. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neosage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
talkingalternative.com.